We continue reading in the Gospel of John, reading at the 8th chapter, the 12th verse. Listen again for God's word. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I have come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you know me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. The word of the Lord. Let there be light. God's first command caused light to shine into the darkness of chaos. Light gave shape today and separated from the darkness of night. God saw the light and called it good. Light has been an integral part of life since creation. Life is an integral part of our lives, both in the physical concrete way of giving us light, but also in symbolic ways. As we move through Lent, focusing on different rituals in which we engage, this morning we reflect on the ritual of bringing light into the sanctuary for worship and then usually taking it back out into the world. I think I've been here roughly 120 Sundays. I've never pondered the question of why the candles stay lit but perhaps I should have before preaching on light this morning. You'll have to imagine what is usually before us. Last week we reflected on the ritual of gathering as God's people and thought about what it means as we gather in this place. This week we are invited to reflect on what it means that we gather here, usually with light shining before us, and then follow the light into the world. Welcome to the ritual of bringing light into our worship space and then following it out at the end of worship. One of the types of rituals, if you go look up what rituals are, is a rite of passage. Rituals we go through at a particular time that mark the moment, even as they prepare us for the future. Having acolytes bring in and take out the light has become a rite of passage for our youth growing up at St. Andrew. They do not have to become acolytes, but they are given the opportunity. They are given 
training. Then they participate in worship by leading the processional in and leading the recessional out as they carry the light in and out. When they are newly trained, we see them tentatively come down the center aisle, their faces revealing both concentration and at times a bit of bewilderment as they wonder, am I doing it correctly? Or they consider the questions that had not come to mind until they arrive at the chancel area. Questions like, which candle do I light first, the right one or the left one? Do I blow out the light at the end or or do I pull that little thing that makes the wick go back down? What do I do if the candles won't stay lit? What are those silly ministers trying to signal to me as I'm trying to do my job? We watch as they gain confidence each time they stride down the aisle. Soon they are veterans. They lead us. They lead us into worship and out into the world. We call them acolytes. It sounds like it's a word connected to lights, but really acolyte means attendant or follower. Our children begin to learn and express what it means to follow Christ as they participate in bringing the light in and taking it out. In earlier times, the bringing in of light to a place of worship and the lighting of candles played the critical role of actually providing the light for worship. They used to need the lighted candles to be able to see. We have electricity and light bulbs and all sorts of things. We don't need the candles But for us, they are symbolic. The lit candles represent the light of Christ and the Holy Spirit. I had in my sermon notes at this point to say something like, and given the strange things that happen with lights, it's particularly a Holy Spirit moment. Little did I I know how true that might be this morning. The candles lit during worship Remind us that the Holy Spirit is present in worship with us. The light shines before us as a reminder that God meets us in this place. That's what the Israelite people learned in the passage we read in Deuteronomy. The power and importance of light to them. You remember what's happening in the story. It's a a battle between the Israelites and Pharaoh. Really a battle between God and Pharaoh. At stake, the freedom of the Israelite slaves who have been in bondage in Egypt. Also in question, will God, indeed can God, save the Israelites? A series of plagues have descended upon the Egyptians... We're now at the ninth plague. Moses lifts his hands to the heavens and darkness overcomes the land. For three days, they're covered in darkness so thick you could feel it, as if the darkness could suffocate the light and the life of the people in the land. The darkness is everywhere except except in the homes of the Israelites where they have light. A reminder that they are not alone because God is with them. 
a sign that the one God comes, the God who comes to save them is at work in their midst. Light as a reminder of God's presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work among us. Light also points to possibilities. I read an article not too long ago about the replacement for the Hubble telescope. It's to be called the James Webb Space Telescope, which they hope will be sent into orbit in the year 2021. It's about three years late at that point, I think. It will be sent over a million miles away from Earth and will be able to capture light from over 13 billion light years away, which means that light will be 13 billion years old when we see it for the first time. I am now way behind, beyond my scientific comprehension. But I was intrigued by, by this note in the story that when they came up with the design 20, 25 years ago, it, it required, they knew it required, at least 10 technologies that had not even been invented. Their plan to capture the light was put into motion without complete knowledge, but trusting that they could live into that which they could barely imagine in the moment. The presence of our Holy Spirit in our midst reminds us that we are continually called to live into the possibilities that today we cannot even imagine, but that God has before us. And God beckons us, pulls and tugs us into those new places. As we worship with the light before us, it reminds us that God is working on us, transforming us, giving us what we need to live into those infinite possibilities. The light will lead us out. But next week, it will lead us into worship again because God is not done with us. The light continues to shine as we live into the future to which God calls us. Let's finish by looking at the story from the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, by the way, is full of all sorts of imagery, an ongoing play between light and darkness. If you read the Gospel of John, when it's dark, there's confusion and misunderstanding. When there's light, there is understanding. In this particular story, Jesus testifies that He is the light of the world. And the leaders respond, you can't testify for yourself. Now, we live in an age when you can tweet or post on Facebook or do Instagram, and we go, wow, that person must be somebody, or they had an incredible experience because they've just tweeted about it, but not so in the time of Jesus. Jewish law did not allow for someone to testify for himself or herself. Two witnesses had to testify on someone else's behalf. Now, I happen to think that when Jesus says, my father and I are good enough witnesses that we ought to go with that, but not the Jewish authorities. And I think it leaves us with a, a fascinating, powerful 
question. If Jesus cannot testify for himself, who will? The light leads us out of worship. We follow. We know that the light gets put out in the hallway. It's just a symbol. But you will go out those doors into the world. When we see hatred and violence perpetrated on others just because they are different or because they worship a God different than the one we worship, who will stand up and testify about the one who comes to love the world, even those who are different. When we see people in power using and manipulating those without power, who will stand up and testify to the way Jesus showed his power by serving others and dying on the cross? When we see fear-mongering driving the conversations and dominating the decisions being made, who will stand up and testify to the words of Jesus who tells us, do not be afraid, and calls us to act with courage and love? As you follow the light into the world, will you stand up and testify to the light of Christ? Amen.